the boys. Hello and welcome to episode one of Back Row and thank you for tuning in and subscribing. We really appreciate it and it means a lot to us. I'm Nevo Donahue for those of you not familiar with my voice and I am so excited to be sharing this creative space with one of the chicest, most knowledgeable people I know in the fashion industry, Ms. Ellen McDermott. Every time you call me chic, I literally can't hold it together because I literally am the opposite of chic, Neve. I'm like, I have full customized, like multiple pairs of Crocs. I only wear hoodies and leggings, aka right now. And like, I literally, but I love that you say that you're the chic one, let's be real. Yeah. You have a capsule collection wardrobe. And Hang on. I just have merch, a lot of hoodie merches. <laughs> you're the only person I know that can wear black like you can. Like, you just, you always seem to pull it off. <laughs> I always look like a shadow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we're literally living proof of, you remember Kim K and Kendall of at the course, Met Gala? I'm Kendall, that. you're Kim. <laughs> See, the, the black thing feeds into me being a cancer, like a horoscope cancer sign. You're also a cancer, obviously, but you definitely have some Scorpio energy in you. Okay, like, we'll, no offense, not, we're not going to take offense to that. No, we'll get to that later. Yeah, We are buzzed to be creating this podcast, which keeps you up to date on the week's fashion news from the internet breaking headlines and the new designers to watch to, yes, even a bit of Julia Fox. Of course, we are a huge fan of Julia Fox here on the pod. Absolutely. Well, I am anyway. 50%, 50% of us are. <laughs> Ellen, for the people who are brand new to the fashion industry and to you and I, give me your 20 second sales pitch on why anyone should listen to Back Row. Okay, well, firstly, you don't have to listen if if uh, you don't want to, but uh, if you're a close friend of mine, I'll never speak to you again if you don't. <laughs> and uh, basically the quick elevator pitch is... Honestly, this half this just started from our our WhatsApp voice memos from back and forth, just talking about the trends and what happened in the news and what designers doing what at the moment and collections and stuff. We basically want to take this super exclusive thing and open it up to everyone and kind of like get under the skin of the fashion industry. But also, this is a podcast for people who wear everything from Arcteryx and Marc Jacobs to heck. Marks and Spencer's can't be an oh, L pair. Marks and Spencer's knickers, Crocs, Duns, whatever you want. Listen, like we're we're not we're not judging. We'll judge you if you wear a Michael Kors uh, handbag or a watch, though. Absolutely. We probably yeah. will, yeah, yeah. In fairness, yeah. we'll probably yeah. WhatsApp about you after the podcast. Oh yeah, we're trolling you. Yeah, we're trolling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Neve, what are the fashion headlines that caught your eye this week? Well, my blood pressure has just about dropped down to normal levels after I had a hemorrhage after seeing Rihanna's Prego cover for American Vogue. She basically just set the internet on fire again. And the photos are literally sublime. They were shot by industry legend Annie Lebowitz and styled by Alex Jordan Harrington and Jaheel Weaver and everything from oh from start to finish. It was just it was beautiful. And I will never, ever tire of seeing Rihanna with or without bump. She had the best pregnancy outfits of all time, of all time, of like, all time, I, fully. Yeah. Do you know what it is? Okay, Annie Leibovitz. Obviously, she's an icon. We love whatever. We love a little bit of a one trick pony, but let's hey, just. Hey, uh, hey. I'm gonna pretend somebody else said that. But I, I don't know. I didn't think the fashion was great. I don't think Vogue do great. American Vogue doesn't do great shoots anymore. I don't think. Like hot take, but like British Vogue bombing it. They British are Vogue are absolutely slaying. A bombing it, the, absolutely. The cover I, of American Vogue with Rihanna, Baby Womb should have been iconic, but it's it's bad coming from a d- graphic design point of view. 
half, more than half the photo is is empty space like it's it's I don't know I don't think it was the one for okay, me I'm not a I'm obviously not a graphic designer but visually looking at this I was blown away by just the sheer simplicity of seeing her silhouette and I think ultimately what they were doing like the whole premise of the shoot is Rihanna and her plus one so they want to mm-hmm. give onus to that beautiful glowing bump that she has fully yeah and I actually think yeah I I, I still like you know back my point of the fashion wasn't great overall but there was one dress. I don't know who who designed it, but it was a white latex and it, it was definitely like a pregnancy. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, is that where yeah. she was outside in the balcony? No, that was with a duvet. What's not a duvet? Why is it? <laughs> oh, I thought that was like a dress, but maybe maybe it was a duvet. If it not, was like pro- she was It was rocking. probably a damn Balenciaga duvet. Well, for all here, you know, if she was like... wearing a duvet, I'm going to be going up to Blanchetown in my duvet next week. <laughs> Absolutely. Blanchetown shops out of your duvet. Absolutely. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> I've pretty much seen that already. I'm not just Um But no, do you know what it is? Actually, I just I just stand by American Vogue aren't doing great fashion. See, I my eye is trained to catch you have like half a second to catch the customer at the newsstand to like for them to like pick up the magazine and read it and just I know it says Vogue at the top but like you're not going to pick that magazine up it's it's I think the like magazines are it's a dying industry unfortunately and I think if we're going to part our part seven euros you know Mm. for to buy a magazine it's going to need to be really good escapism it's going to need to like the same reason that you flick on the Kardashians to watch it, it's escapism. You want to like delve into this like magazine that's like a coffee table book and it's the most beautiful photos you've ever seen in your life. Mm. And it's basically like artwork. But if they're shite photos, it doesn't matter if it's Rihanna pregnant on the cover of Vogue, it's pretty shite photo that's going to be felt, forgotten. I felt that way about British Vogue's Adele cover, even though I like I can feel all the bullets coming towards me. I loved Adele, but I, and it, was it wasn't good. I just, I wasn't like wowed by it, but you know what cover stands out for me above all? I think you actually worked on this. I think it was Cardi B breathing fire. And it was, oh this, yeah, like, it was That's um, the best issue I've ever worked on. Yeah, it was like a fairy tale shoot. Oh my good God. It was just J'adore. Like it was perfect. Yeah. And the tea behind that is that, so I don't know if you remember ages ago, I, Cardi B threw a shoe at Nicki Minaj at a fashion week after party. Yeah. And it happened to be a, Harper's Bazaar fashion week after party so what the editor-in-chief Glenda was there and anyway this all broke out Cardi B took off her big stripper stiletto shoe flung it across the room hitting the menage <laughs> in the face um this all chaos erupted the whole thing the next I wasn't in the office because I had started like a week or two later and uh <laughs> and Glenda came in and everyone was like Glenda's the editor-in-chief and everyone was like, oh, my God, like sh- like Cardi B is never, ever going to get a cover for Harvest Bazaar after that. And Glenda came in and was like, no, I want Cardi B on the cover, March issue, posing as Cinderella, losing her shoe at the ball. And everyone was like, genius. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> it was. I, I have, you know, the way you have like regret buying. I have regret buying for not getting that magazine. Absolutely. I have about 14 issues, so I'll give you one. Oh, thanks, babes. But back to Rihanna in American Vogue. Sorry, just for a sec. Yeah, I think ultimately Rihanna is redefining pregnancy style in a way that allows people to be more themselves during pregnancy. And there's there's a super strong lesson in that. I know she's doing like a more is more approach and we're not all going to go around in custom Dior and dripping in diamonds and with her bellies hanging out. <laughs> but I just love this sense of like impairment that's in her in her her looks and her style. And, and the best part of this is how she's redefining pregnancy style in a way that's radical, fresh and empowering. And I think if you can tick all those boxes in an outfit, like job done. Absolutely. Mic drop. Amen. Retweet. <laughs> um, 
Other than that, some news also closer to home. Primark or Pennies, as we know it here, has launched a new athleisure collection created using dyes made from plant and food waste, which I thought was pretty interesting for them. Interesting. Now, yes. What percentage of the clothes well, are made from that, though? Well, let let me get to that now. Historically, <laughs> Primark does not have a great track record for its sustainability efforts. We know this, especially when it claims to be caring for the environment by making clothes from recycled plastic. Um, mm-hmm. And a report found that the polyester fiber made from plastic bottles was pretty much almost never recycled at the end of its life. So it was destined for a landfill or to be incinerated as opposed to continuing to be recycled as plastic bottles. But anyway, back to Primark. It set a target last year of making all of its clothes from recycled or sustainably sourced materials by 2030, which is actually quite impressive that's a massive goal to work toward. I mean, it's not perfect. And underneath the surface, there's still a lot to consider. But I think it's really admirable to see a fast fashion outlet making a lasting commitment to the environment. So who knows? We'll all be going around in orange peel athleisure in the next few weeks. Amazing. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I'll try anything. I'll do anything. I'll try anything. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it as well. And if it means that, you know, it's better for the environment, clothe me in mushrooms, baby. Uh, What about you? What caught your eye this week? So I guess this week slash the last 30 days. So we're still in Ramadan. And uh, I think people don't really talk about the designers that are doing doing things for these girls, these women, you know, involved in Ramadan. And, you know, half my family are Muslim. So uh, it's a thing that's quite close to my heart. So on the topic of Ramadan, there's a Saudi fashion designer called Wafa Al Jafali. I really hope I'm pronouncing that right now. Um, and she's basically created a Ramadan collection inspired by the environment. And the clothes oh, wow. are stunning. Like I need them. Yeah. So they're based on nature and like just patterns that she's seen in nature. And I guess, you know, what my family have always told me over the years is that Ramadan obviously is, you know, your 30 days of fasting and, you know, it's a big commitment and it's very spiritual and religious, but with that, there's a lot of like gatherings and uh, just like kind of socializing as well. So it makes so much sense for designers to be bringing out new collections for this period of time. So uh, I just find that quite interesting. And also on the topic of Ramadan, uh, the French designer who makes Basica, a well-known brand that most of us would know, a jewelry brand, she's just come out with her first ever Ramadan-inspired collection. Her name is Valerie Masika, and she's always had a really deep connection with the Middle East. Basically, she just wanted to make a collection that kind of was inspired by these like relationships that she's made in the Middle East over the last few years. Honestly, the stuff is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And is that kind of like cashing in on Ramadan? So no, I fully, I, I, I get what you mean. It, but my stance is that we've never really seen anything like this before. It's so interesting during Ramadan to see these designers that are bringing out collections, uh, a Misika, a French brand, um, you know, she's not a Muslim woman. She just, you know, ha- she just appreciates like, it's, it's a culture that like, they're so into beauty they're sewn to jewelry like you know you know underneath underneath all this stuff they have the most amazing clothes and everything so it's I for me it's something that's you know it's a really nice thing to see um stars and hopefully I want to see more from designers doing this kind of stuff and I I don't personally get offended by it I want to buy it 
for our first episode, we thought we'd kick things off on a lighter note, you know, and talk about something like the fashion metaverse. Okay, Neve, you're going to have to, okay, coming from someone who has worked in print fashion magazines my whole life, the fashion metaverse is terrifying. I don't understand it. Is it an NFT? Do what? Like I have so many millions of questions I don't even understand. And I also am coming from, I basically make floppy disks. Like magazines are basically floppy disks at this stage. (laughs) I am so behind the time. I want to be, I don't want to be an old granny and in two years time be like, oh my God, like I should have jumped ship and worked in digital fashion. Like, can you just, can you just explain to me what's going on? Okay. Okay. First of all, it's terrifying to think that there's people listening to this podcast who don't even know what a floppy disk is and are currently Googling floppy disk. Second of all, I will try my very best to explain what the metaverse is in people speak. Think of the metaverse as a brand new universe with different different continents or different worlds within it. Facebook's meta is one one world of the metaverse, which is currently being manufactured. We're literally coming up with the tech to make this new virtual space where we can basically live out our lives better or an alternative version of our life. So maybe like I look like I do in real life, but maybe I want to have a multicolored mohawk in the metaverse and I actually want to I want to dress completely different, or maybe I want to be a different gender, or I want to explore different ways to dress. Maybe I want to wear a fire dress or a water dress. But I think in in time, we will be able to access this 3D virtual space and be able to communicate and go to jump to different worlds. I mean, technically, it's already happening because we have gaming See, this is what makes me so nervous. Obviously, it's very exciting. It makes me very nervous because let's let's take at, at the moment we have our gen zers they're so used to growing up with instagram they go into instagram they have the filters on their face it's like you know making their nose smaller their lips bigger and this kind of thing but that that like is an extension of the metaverse already that's like like beauty metaverse we've been doing it i mean if you if you've ever used an Instagram filter, then you've already experimented technically in the metaverse. I do think it's very interesting though. And when a lot of people ask me, you know, about your job and they don't get it and why are people making digital clothes? It makes no sense. If you're into clothes and you're into the design process, being able to, you know, have your avatar wear a dress made out of water or fire and it's like wicked and it walks down a runway or is in a showroom. You have the same kind of um, structure of how of like how you make things from being inspired to making a whole runway collection, but you have more materials to make it out, out of because you have all this like digital universe. So you have like, you can make a whole collection like of sand, you know? There is this absolutely incredible brand which really like got me interested in the metaverse about 18 months ago now and it's called Aroboros and it was founded by Paula Sello and Alyssa Albakova who were both designers in residence at the Saraband which is the charitable trust established by Lee Alexander McQueen but they basically create digital and and physical couture garments that like grow on the skin so in terms of their like digital clothing this for me was the first taste of truly like futuristic fashion where it looks like veins like you're wearing a dress of of beautiful abstract colored veins 
that has the texture of water, but is also like fluorescent, but also sits on the body to perfection. If you want to buy one of their digital pieces, you you simply send them a photo of you and they will render this piece of clothing onto you. And honestly, the results are quite mind blowing. And it looks like the person is like wearing a fire dress or wearing a water dress. Honestly, like the stuff you'd see in a sci-fi film script, but it's happening right now. This is not like 50 years down the line stuff. This is actually like today. So my question is, so seeing as we're, it's, it's happening now and it's not a future thing, how soon are the, like the universities and colleges going to take this on? So like I went to NCAD, they have a great fashion course there. You know, if people are going to be eventually making, you know, digital fashion garments, surely there's going to be some sort of elective you can take within fashion design courses, or is there already? Oh, I think the courses are going to have to drastically rethink what the future of jobs in the fashion industry actually look like. So I know already there are brands Mm -hmm. who are hiring like specialized 3D uh, designers or like CAD designers who specialize in fashion or movement or um, motion designers who can mirror what a garment looks like on the runway on in this metaverse space. So I I definitely think there's going to be a shift in Mm -hmm. conventional or traditional fashion careers. Exactly. And and like it it goes for people who are making the clothes and then it goes for people in my industry who are the art director designers. And like I always think about now is a pivotal time to get into kind of the digital metaverse, etc. For me as well, I wonder, will I be art directing you know, showrooms that don't even exist physically. And I think that's a very high possibility for me right now, you know. Um, I know, like, I think that is so exciting to think like, we're going to like real fashion shows now, but what is that space going to look like a decade from now? Are we going to be like popping on a pair of glasses or contact lens and like going to a show from our sitting rooms, you know, wearing pajamas, like, Yeah. I don't know if that, like, would you want that to happen? I really think it's going to be a hybrid. I think Balenciaga clearly are going down this road at the moment. Their their TikToks and their social media is so good and eye-catching. And you you see one of their videos and you look at it about five times and you're like, oh my God, this is so good. Because But it's so chaotic. It's so chaotic. They're doing what the Gen Z people are doing on TikTok, but they're obviously have a team of videographers and people... And so it's it's obviously coming out so much better, but I definitely think it's going to be a hybrid. I think people still appreciate the physical, you know, going somewhere, but I do think it is going to be a hybrid of putting on the goggles, pretending you're somewhere else. Maybe it's an augmented reality. I mean, we've kind of seen that in showrooms, you know, Zara have done that. You walk around the store and you open up your augmented reality app and there's models walking Mm -hmm. around the clothes. Like that's already been done before, but I do genuinely think it's a hybrid because I really don't think people will give up the physical aspect of it so easily. Mm -hmm. People like to dress up, you know, people like physical invites. Like speaking of physical invites, you obviously saw Balenciaga's latest invite. Did you see how that was done? They gave everyone, um, oh my God, it was actually so cool. They gave everyone- uh, Oh, the phone. The phone, yeah. Oh, the smashed iPhone. Yeah. So good. The refurbed iPhones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. So, so good. I mean, I I don't know. I wasn't blown away by it, but I do understand the the concept of the, um, well, I think it was like the nostalgia element to 
to the show invite, like, or maybe it was the fact that he was repurposing uh, devices that were otherwise going to end up in the landfill. Maybe I think so. I, I think so. Yeah, because a lot, a lot of clothes in the show uh, kind of get, gave that repurposed kind of mm. like literally, like he literally had a bag that's called the trash bag, mm. um, and it looks like a, a tra- like a a bin bag, black bin bag, but it's like a handbag. So. Uh, but yeah, look like you're wearing trash for only 600 euros. I know I wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't buy that in a million years. So to get a better understanding of the fashion metaverse earlier this week, we spoke to Galway native Ashley McDonald, who is currently based in Geneva and working as global digital media and e-commerce manager with the fragrance and fashion house Pooch, whose brands include Jean-Paul Gaultier, Paco Rabanne, Carolina Herrera, Nina Ricci and Charlotte Tilsbury and Christian Louboutin, to name a few. And here's what she had to say about the future of fashion. Ashley, you are hot stuff at the moment. You're literally popping up everywhere. Like your name has popped up so many times in random circles of friends that I have in and out of the fashion industry, photographers and different things. So I'm so glad you came on for our first episode. So basically me coming from a being a print designer, I just need like a, what is the fashion metaverse for dummies? I, I basically make floppy disks for a living. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I really need a fashion metaverse for dummies here. Okay. Amazing, Ellen. Thanks so much. And I'm actually, I'm always shocked to hear that my name comes up in like conversations. Hope they were good ones. Hope they were fun Absolutely. ones. Um, and all about fashion and tech. So first of all, thanks for having me, especially because it's the first episode. Really excited and honored to be part of this. Um, but in terms of like, what is the metaverse and what is the metaverse in the fashion context? I always revert back to the same example of imagine when you were a kid and you played Sims. Absolutely. Did you play Sims when you were a kid? Of course. Okay, same. I love The Sims. I was obsessed with The Sims. Didn't really care about interacting with other people. It was more about interior design and whatnot. But actually, I still play with The Sims. And a lot of people do. And actually, The Sims is counted as part of the metaverse. It's one of the portals into the metaverse if you're playing, you know, live Sims where you're interacting with other people. So think of it like a giant game of The Sims. And there are other games that are happening at the other side that may or may not be connected to The Sims. But you're not just on, you know, an offline mode like we played when we were kids. Um, you're actually able to play with your friends and connect with people that maybe you've never met in real life. And you can say, hey, I'm hosting a party in The Sims tonight. It's going to be uh, at the back of my house. This is the address. Join me there. And your friends can join you there. And then if you're turning up to this party, what are you going to wear? So that's like fashion in the metaverse. What are you going to wear when you're being represented by your avatar or by the virtual version of yourself? And of course, it can be a replica of yourself, which we saw, for example, from Mark Zuckerberg, who basically just recreated his same quite boring outfit in the metaverse. That's not the perfect and it's not the way you have to do it. You can be a completely different person. You can be a unicorn. You can wear all of your favorite luxury brands that maybe you can't afford to buy in the real world, or maybe you wouldn't even feel comfortable wearing them in the real world. So for me, that's kind of how I would explain fashion in the metaverse. It's going out there, living your life, your best life, even online in kind of a gaming or interactive way. And rather than being in like a Zoom, like we are now, this is, you know, web 2.0, you're doing it with your avatar and you can have conversations and meet different people. Right. So Ellen asked me just before we spoke about like, will everybody be in dark rooms with like headsets on? And 
you know, not be interacting IRL. Is that going to be the case? I think that's what everyone expected a few years ago. And like I started my career with LVMH. So I was I was incredibly fortunate. I worked uh, in the CDO team, so Chief Digital Officer team of LVMH Group, which at the time was um, it was Ian Rogers that held that position. And he came from Apple Music. He was the head of Beats. The guy is sensational when it comes to tech. Now he's at Ledger. So that says it all. Like if someone like this is already looking at crypto and the metaverse, I think, I think we're onto something. And I remember we had like Oculus, we had headsets and stuff. So I was trying all this out in the office and he was like, this is the future. And I do think it is the future, but it's had a really slow start. So today, less than 10% of people that engage in web 3.0 would do so through augmented or virtual reality. So 90% is through actually uh, mobile would be the main entry into the metaverse today, especially in China, where you have more gamers than anywhere else in the world. Mobile is king. And then it's desktop slash computing. And then it's uh, everything to do with your headsets. If you look back 15 years ago when mobiles were these like clunky bricks and now we have literally the entire world in the palm of our hands in the pocket of our jeans, we don't even know what kind of tech is actually coming next. I mean, I, I personally love the idea of sticking in a contact lens that I'm able to like pop up a new dimension or something. I don't know. I get a kick out of thinking about stuff like that. It's, it seems so futuristic, but like you said, mobiles were not that long ago and it's a chicken and egg situation. Today we have hardwares. So the likes of your Oculus or your Google glasses, your snap glasses, that was all AR, VR mm. incorporated into hardware. It's been around for many years, but the adoption is quite low because the technology wasn't quite there yet and neither was the community. So like, why would you go and live in this AR, VR world if there are not that many people there within your community? So it takes a while to build these communities. Same with uh, social media platforms. Like once Mm -hmm. they take off, they can accelerate really fast. And then once they build momentum, the user acquisition just increases and increases. It's starting with gaming because these people are doing this already and they're just not calling it the metaverse what it is. Mm-hmm. You're so right. Like it really is like the gaming industry that's kind of spearheading this movement. And that's where we first saw the likes of our Gucci's and our Balenciaga's and our exactly. Burberry's dipping their toes into, into the gaming Skins. space. But you know what? It, it seems to me that even though it's trying to be quite futuristic and new, why does it all look so like square and pixelated and like it was created on a floppy disk in 1970? <laughs> Ellen's working on it in the background. She just didn't tell us. <laughs> Uh, I agree. Like, you know, <laughs> actually, like when I look at it, I think of it probably the way fashion was before. Like when we look at archives and whatnot, pieces weren't finished to the perfection that they can be now because the technology didn't exist for that back mm-hmm. then either. I think it's going to be perfected as we go along. And in this gaming world, a lot of it is open source. Think of Minecraft, for example. My brothers are obsessed with Minecraft. They'll watch YouTube videos of people playing Minecraft for hours and hours and have done that for years. And at the beginning, it was so pixelated. It was literally, you know, building, uh, building blocks and all about, you know, actual pixels, like bricks to build things. And now it's super advanced. I've never played Fortnite, but I do. I just, you jogged my memory there when you, we were talking about gaming, but uh, did, I feel like Travis Scott did a concert in a Fortnite game, you know, this kind of thing. So he like, did, yeah. So then are we going to be attending these con- concerts, picking an outfit digitally for these concerts? Like, and then he, or, you know, the, it's just actually mad, the possibilities and it, that the fact that it's already kind of happened, you know? It is. And I think we're probably a little bit on the older side because it's Gen Z's that have started with this. You know, they started with gaming and they started with games that were already connected because they were already online and they were playing with people from all over the world that maybe they would never meet in real life, but they couldn't have spending more time with them than their 
friends in real life or than their their families because like gaming is so big and it's such a community so web 3.0 has been adopted just because it's in its essence part of the gaming industry and i think now we're going to catch up through the other platforms maybe that we're already using our new platforms that would be more catered to millennials how do you convince you know auntie mary down the road that she shouldn't go into marks and spencers for knickers anymore and she needs to get them on the metaverse instead <laughs> auntie mary could be short of knickers <laughs> that, that, that could be a dodgy one now i won't try and convince her of that but you know what i think is really cool is the whole concept of twinning so you have your real version of the product that you have in the real world so auntie mary's knickers and then maybe she has the nft or the digital version of them so it comes with a qr code or you know you have access to store the digital twin of that physical product in your crypto wallet and then you can go and wear that in the metaverse or whatever you know metaverse platform that you like to engage with it could be the sims maybe auntie mary plays there or maybe she goes to the sandbox and joins pool parties with exclusive in their luxury villas like she can go wherever she wants she has that freedom i want to know what are you wearing in the metaverse yeah what you know what I'm being super boring at the moment and I'm kind of being quite corporate so I'm not promoting them or anything but Bacaloban one of the brands that I work with and they're one of our you know key and core brands and they have been for for decades now at Pooch they did an NFT drop today I don't know if you saw that it's fresh off the press they also did one uh two months ago in collaboration with Selfridges that was amazing so it was mainly twinning so you could go into Selfridges and buy the 1969 handbag for example and then have the NFT version of it. Okay. But today what dropped was really interesting. And this is like, for me, the future, it's doing something really good for fashion. It's circular. It's leaning into vintage, into archives. So they built this collection with the kind of impossible pieces to wear. So they were real pieces that were created in 1966 when the brand launched, but they're literally impossible to wear. So Paco Aban, he was an architect and that's why you can see such architectural forms in his pieces. And he uses a lot of metal, things that are not practical and that are really hard to wear. So these NFTs that have just dropped, they are bringing those pieces that were, you know, real life pieces that were on a runway into the metaverse, because like, what's going to stop you from wearing them there? Uh, you're not going to be like poked by the metal and wondering like if you're going to uh, injure somebody as you walk past with kind of like hangers sticking out of you and whatnot. <laughs> and what makes this even cooler is it's actually going to fund bringing pieces back into the archives and uh, all of the funds from that basically are going to be used to build, you know, on the historical archives of the brand. That's so interesting because me and Ellen literally spoke about the exact same thing of the importance of the metaverse yeah. in archiving fashion that with trades that might actually not exist in a, a couple of decades time. So if you have like, you know, old Alexander McQueen and you want to be able to preserve those incredible stitches and maybe even turn them into a valuable NFT. Like I think the fashion metaverse, it holds an important role in archiving fashion. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with the brand yeah. Pucci. So not Gucci, but Pucci. Love, Emilio we Pucci. love Emilio Pucci here. I love Emilio Pucci. I've been to the Pucci Palace just FYI and I've had calls with Lodumia Pucci. So okay, the okay. daughter of Emilio, because they were, they're one of the LVMH houses. And most people don't know that actually, but they're one of the minority houses in terms of size, but they've had an amazing guy called Dylan, um, who is in charge of the archives and digitalizing them. And he's been doing that for years. I really hope for them. The next step is now bringing that into the metaverse because they've done all the hard work of bringing everything into the same space. They have all the physical elements there as well in the Pucci Palazzo in Florence and they've digitalized it, but in a 2D format Mm -hmm. and it's not been unleashed into the metaverse yet, but things like that. Incredible. And, you know, Pucci's kind of state statement was, 
collaborating across all industries. He loved sports. His first collection was actually for uh, skiing. That's how he was discovered. A Harper's Bazaar journalist saw him on the mountains when he was skiing with this like super colorful suit, took photos and it basically happened from there. But he even created like sails for sailing boats, um, carpets, design, interiors, and all of these items. I'm like, that would work really well, actually, in the metaverse. It would fit in because they're items that you could own, that you could engage with, that you can use to decorate your virtual homes and spaces or that you can wear. You know, it's like wearable art. Is there, how do you escape from the tangibility of real clothes, basically, and convince somebody to try out the metaverse for the first time? I think you have to treat it quite individually. Like some people will never be a part of this and they never will want to be. Like with the internet, there are people who just, they don't want a smartphone. They don't want to be a part of that until maybe everyone's there and they have a sense of FOMO. So like, okay, I'll try it out. So I think there will be a little bit of that as well. There's going to be some percentage of the population that's not for them. That's fine. But I think for the majority, especially the younger generations, they're all going to grow up digital first, but also digital 3.0 and metaverse first. Education. It's going to be a part of education Mm -hmm. as well. There's a startup that has just raised like another tens of millions. They've raised over a hundred million now at this point. And they're all about education with a metaverse concept. So it'll be really interesting to see how that's just incorporated mm-hmm. into everyday part of our lives. Neve and I were actually just saying the other day that uh, fashion courses are going to have to look about how like every single module that they're teaching now as the fashion metaverse gets bigger and bigger because they're going to have to include this. Like I'm like, I'm not saying they need to learn 3D design, but they're going to need to know a lot about it because if they're designing like physical and digital clothes now, they're going to need to know how everything works. The schools are getting on this pretty quickly. So I've never had more demand from schools to teach about luxury and technology. So now I'm teaching, like I do guest lectures maybe five different schools and I have courses in two different ones they're all the French schools they're so on this uh ESSEC I teach in their luxury MBA and one of the the challenge that I gave them at the end of the course was to launch a luxury fragrance into the metaverse oh my god their projects were incredible I was so impressed uh I work with Naoma Business School that's where I did my undergrad actually so also French school and they've had an amazing guy called Teddy B come in and deliver entire uh, courses just on the metaverse. And this is for their IMLUX program. So International Management of Luxury. I just see potential in every element of the fashion industry. Like look at buying, look at the roles of buyers. That is so different today because you have the whole e-concession, e-retail side of things where actually you as a retailer, maybe you never even own the item. Therefore, the buyer is more of a, a visual merchandiser. And then if you look at the metaverse, imagine you're... Selfridges and you're launching yourself into the metaverse who's going to decide what items you buy to have in your store in the metaverse like it's just so interesting it's going to be so different to what you had in department stores for example are you not bored or less excited by the fact that brands right now in the metaverse seem to just be recreating their real world items as opposed to like creating futuristic dresses maybe it's like a water dress or a fire dress like is that what the metaverse should be more like imaginative yeah I actually was really surprised during the metaverse fashion week at how many of the brands just completely did like a 3d rendering of what they had available Mm -hmm. offline it's like guys you could literally like you said have your dress made of fire you know you can do anything and that's why I think 
um, actually there will be new brands that are born within the metaverse and that maybe will be metaverse first, which we're seeing a little bit of already. So they'll start in the metaverse, create things with no boundaries. They're not thinking like a fashion designer. They're thinking like metaverse designer. And it's, yeah, it's going to be so different. And then the challenge will be, can you recreate those items offline or not? And maybe they'll do capsule collections of things you can actually wear. Um, A capsule collection of fire. Capsule collection of fire. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, so key takeaways are, do not dispose of your clothes just yet. You'll still need them. Yeah. Definitely. Hold on to all your knickers. Um, try, try it out and see if you like any of the platforms that are offering this kind of web 3.0 metaverse experience. Even if you've never played a game in your life, maybe just explore it and see how you get on. And maybe would you suggest to people to look into NFTs and maybe buying them and they're, they're buying power? Or is that a bit much for somebody who's never even been to Web 3.0? You know, like not that long ago, nobody had been in Web 3.0. And now it's a massive community. Over 100 million euro was spent last year on NFTs within the fashion space only. So it's a huge industry. And anyone who thinks that there's no opportunity there just probably isn't within that target yet. Or they're not already within that community or it's a subculture. You know, it's like, it's very, very interesting. I'm very keen to see what brands do in terms of NFTs in the luxury space in particular, because I think the key is matching the NFT to something that's either experiential or that's exclusive, or maybe it connects with a physical product because for the luxury industry to remain luxury or luxury brand or service, it needs to still have an element of exclusivity. It needs to be rare. It needs to be hard to acquire or attain. Like it needs to still hold the qualities of a luxury good and NFT allow for that that's inherently what they're meant to do resale as well like the resale market is booming right the luxury resale market it's going to boom online as well like nfts will have their own resale market for sure okay ellen we're 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 going straight to buy nfts after this call i know yeah i'm actually really spooked yeah (laughs) oh my god i'm already so far behind we always wrap up our guest interviews i say always but you're the first one but we've actually yeah we've actually done our second and third interview already but um basically the number one question i get asked is what bag should i buy i always say it needs to be a lifer bag a bag for life a bag that in 10 years time you're going to absolutely treasure and love. So not a trend bag. What is something that you would love to buy that you would consider your life or item? I love that question. When you said bag for life, I immediately thought of done stores, <laughs> which is <laughs> probably not the type of bag you're referring to, but <laughs> you could start there. Love <laughs> Sustainable. Um, you know, I've asked myself that question many a time over the years, especially like when I was starting out my career and obviously I was massively limited by budget, especially at the beginning. So I was leaning in onto whatever private sales and discounts I could get through the brands I worked with. Um, but every handbag that I own that I love, like has a story behind it and it was celebrating something, whether it was a new job or finishing up at one or, um, I have a gorgeous Celine belt bag, which for me represents my time at Google, my time at YouTube. And I brought Celine on board to do their first ever paid YouTube campaigns. And they ended up being the biggest YouTube client within the LVMH portfolio the year that I was there. And they'd never done a YouTube campaign before that. So for me, like each one of my bags has a story like that 
that behind it. I would say first things first, like what has meaning to you? That's really important. Like the luxury industry is full of heritage. It's full of stories. Like it's an industry that literally tells stories and tries to connect with you through emotion. So don't just think this celebrity has that bag. I want it. No, think really like if this this is your bag for life, (laughs) um, don't base your decision off whatever is trending today or whatever you know, person that maybe is inspiring your, your taste or your style at the moment, really think like, what do I like? What makes me happy? Even in terms of colors, people are always like, should I just get black? I'm like, no, get whatever color makes you happy. And if it's your first bag, like don't go for something that everybody has, go for something that's unique to you and that you can be proud to have and happy to own forever and hopefully pass on to the next generation. Absolutely. I love that answer. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wealth of knowledge and expertise. I'm literally dumbfounded by how incredible your CV is. And we wish you all the success in the Image uh, Businesswoman of the Year Awards. We will be watching closely um, and no doubt your career is just going to go up and up. So we wish you all the very best. Thank you, ladies. Wow, after that and after her listening to her full uh, CV, I feel about as useful as a wet tea bag at this stage. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel ready for the metaverse now after listening to Ashley? So definitely straight after I was like, I want to go play Stardoll and Sims because I was like, oh my God, the nostalgia of this because this is such a nostalgia for me anyway, listening this such a I'm getting nostalgic feelings about all this like mm-hmm. so I I definitely I definitely excited about that the gaming aspect it's the gaming aspect I'm more excited about it's not the it's not the going to a party in your friend's backyard in the metaverse going like dressing up as a unicorn or whatever I don't really know if I really get that just yet and I don't really know if I get the whole I'm going to buy a handbag and they're going to give me an NFT version I'm of really it. into that. I was just about to say that was like the biggest takeaway for me is that if I am investing in um, an expensive piece like a bag or shoes and a brand is offering me a twin of an NFT, damn, I am going to jump on that chance. Like it seems like the smartest thing to do right now. Like definitely when she was explaining it, I was like, oh my God, because she's so like convincing and she knows her stuff that I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'll literally do anything you say. But then on second thought, I was like, just because I'm not there yet, I think I'm still in magazine land where I'm like, Mm. everything should be printed. So um, I'm definitely excited about it. I just, at the moment, I don't know, it's going to take me a second to get into it, I think. I think it's going to take the rest of us a little bit more than a second as well. So you're okay. (laughs) Okay, well, look, before we go, Ellen, who or what is on your radar this week? Oh my God. Okay. I I don't know if you saw Nick Grimshaw's latest Instagram post. Did you? No. Should I should I go right now? Go right now. Go okay, right okay, now. So okay. basically, there's this. I actually can't stress enough how excited I was to see this post. Basically, Nick Grimshaw just got engaged. Fabulous. We love it. We love him. We love his bay. I can't remember the bay's name. Anyway, the engagement ring. I've been following this designer. She's an English designer. I've been following her since she had 200 followers. Now she has 10K followers and her name is Ellie Mercer. She is she is the best jewelry designer at the moment in my eyes. She makes, and it's all simple stuff. Like she's basically- Oh my God, had, the ring is divine. It's exactly what I would want if I got engaged. Like yeah. I- 
I'm shook. So basically she has, she's doing like the it signet ring. Like if you're into signet rings, she's doing the it signet ring at the moment. And it's, it's, it's gold. It's a basic shape of a signet ring, except it's like kind of cut out. Like she fills like parts of it with like enamel and different colors or it's see-through or resin or something. And basically she did Nick Grimshaw's engagement ring and I am shook. It's so good. It is. I literally, it's, it's literally a piece of art. I would frame this and put it on my wall rather than wearing it on my finger. Absolutely. Screw NFTs. I want that. <laughs> Screw NFTs. I want solid gold rings. What's her Instagram again? Ellie Mercer. The cheapest, I think, retails for about 300 pounds. Obviously, Nick Grimshaw's engagement ring had, I think it was like four diamonds and it's a big chunky gold ring. So mm-hmm. I'd say we're talking a lot of money for that one. Yeah. Okay. So Neve, what is on your radar this week? Well, if like me, you love finding an L bargain on secondhand bargain on somewhere like Vestier Collective or the Real Real, but despise having to pay expensive import taxes, then you'll be delighted to know that online charity and vintage shop Thriftify, who we love, uh, have added thousands of secondhand luxury items to their online store, thriftify.ie. And basically what they're doing is every Thursday at 6 p.m., they're going to drop a new load of secondhand luxury items, everything from like new season Jacquemus bags and Gucci trainers. And they even have a vintage Chanel jacket that originally retailed for like 12,000 euro and it's for up to 70% off their original prices. So they also have brands like McQueen, Balenciaga, Bottega, Celine. I don't know if it's old Celine. Let's cross our fingers. Uh, and Simone Rocha. So that's every Thursday at six o'clock. I will be 100% setting my alarm for that. I will absolutely be setting my alarm for that. Holy crap. I, Simone Rocha, bury me in that. Bury, bury me, me in, in everything. Simone Rocha. Yep. Everyone who knows me knows I've already picked out my wedding dress. That's Simone Rocha. We love <laughs> That is it for this week. I can't believe we're finished episode one of the podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. We've had so much fun recording this and I'm just so excited for the next few podcasts. Um, We'll be coming back next week for more fashion news. We would also love to hear from you. We're hoping to set up a a once a week little from the listener kind of moment of any kind of faux pas or fashion fails that you've had. We'll be reading them out on the podcast. Um, But for now, that's us. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you're enjoying listening to the podcast. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.